You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome one and all to episode 227 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. And we're brought to you today by all of those succulent, voluptuous, juicy Patreon patrons. Isn't that cool? They're like a rotisserie chicken, just glistening with, I don't know, sex appeal, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> GameHat.eu is also a sponsor of the show, and Event 10 gives you 10% off your order with them. Pre-painted terrain, neoprene mats, all that stuff, STL files. And Panhandle3D.com, I believe this is probably the last week, or it might be expired now. I think it was January 15th it expired. I'm not sure. Try it anyway. Shorehammer is one word, S-H-O-R-E-H-A-M-M-E-R for 15% off your order. If not, you can use Podcast 10 for 10% off your order because the 15% was just a limited thing. Um, And they do free shipping over $80 or something like that. And they print stuff for you. They engrave stuff for you. They personalize mugs and dice trades and all sorts of stuff. Thank you to all of you to keeping the lights on. So what are we talking about? Well, we are talking about, do you remember a year ago, I did an experiment and I said, hey, I'm starting a War Games Illustrated print magazine subscription. And I will tell you at the end of the year exactly whether or not it's worth getting and what it's all about. Well, guess what? Real Talk is me describing my experience with War Games Illustrated and whether or not I think that you will like it. We also have a test rack mailbox from our buddy Dave. He emails us a couple times a year and he is describing how how he feels about all the constant changes and FAQs and all of that. So he's chiming in from basically the topic of last week. And then we have a different Want That or Want That Not from War Games Atlantic. And I'm telling you right now, maybe you normally skip that segment, but if you're looking for a deal on miniatures, and no, this is not an ad, this is legit, I'm just telling you because I think it's cool, um, you should definitely check out that segment because they are a fantastic deal on really nice miniatures. So um, please don't skip that segment because you're probably going to want to hear it. If you play Imperial Guard, if you play uh, different alien factions, uh, Lizardmen, a bunch of different stuff. They, they sell a bunch of stuff. So what have I been up to? Well, this week at the club, I, um, I played my friend David. We, I didn't feel like playing competitively, so we did Brutality. We did the uh, Dreadmore's Gauntlet. We played Gauntlet mode for Brutality twice. The first time I saw our list and I'm like, bro, we're going to we're going to be dead soon. Like you got to survive five rounds at least between five and seven rounds. And we were all killed on turn two because in the beginning I was like, hey, uh, we're not going to do well with this list. And he was like, oh, well, let's try it. I'm like, "Okay." And then turn two, we were dead. So we tweaked the list a little bit and then we tried it again and we actually did win. At the end of it, we started with four models. And at the end of it, two of them were dead, and mine, my leftover model was only down to one hit point. It was Captain America, and he had one spider left. So I had Cyclops and Captain America, and he had two spiders of his spider warband. And uh, his spider was fine. He had, I think, full health, and Captain America was down to one hit point. But we did survive the gauntlet, so that was really cool. What have I been up to other than that? Well, every morning before work, I wake up about an hour and a half before I have to go to work, And I work on Brutal Space. And then after I get home from work, or whatever I'm doing that day, I will work probably two more hours on Brutal Space. And I've been able to, uh, if you remember last week, I had taken the entire week and read the entire 112 pages and edited it and changed all the things I wanted, marked it up with a Sharpie, all that. 
Well, this last week I have changed 105 pages of it, and I should be done today, hopefully, at the end of the day. And um, I'm pretty much ready to order my final test copy to make sure everything looks good. And it's pretty grueling. This is a part of the, the process that I'm not a huge fan of because it's a lot of work. You know, your eyes cross at some point. So that's all I've been up to. So let's get on with the rest of the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Of course, this is the segment that it's Tesseract Mailbox, and today we have a letter from our old friend Dave. He emailed us a couple months ago, a month or two ago, and he, he emails probably twice a year. He says, hey, Kron, back again. Just listen to the latest episode. Pretty sure the constant rules and points changes has killed off all my interest in 40k gaming and possibly GW gaming. At this point, I haven't played a GW game since March of 2022, and that was Aeronautica Imperialis. Wow. I've never I've never seen anybody play that game, Dave. <laughs> I have only played two games of 9th edition during lockdown, and while they were both good games, I have no interest or time to keep up with the various FAQs, point changes, and campaign books. Between my shift pattern and home life, I get a game in once or twice a month, and I don't want to have to do a load of homework just to be up to date with all the rules, let alone be half decent at the game. Anyway, keep up the good work, Dave. Well, first off, Dave, thanks for writing in. It's always good to hear from you. And I think what you're saying is a reflection of what a lot of the older players seem to think nowadays. And I fall into this camp a bit, too, where you just feel like life is too complicated and too busy to follow all these constant changes. And like I said before, um, I'm happy for the FAQs. I think that's a good idea. I think it's healthy for the game. And even the seasonal stuff, if you're if you're only playing competitively, it's good for competitive play. So I don't really think that's a big deal. But for those of you like me and you probably and a lot of my listeners that are just casual players and just want to play the game, you are expected to keep up with a lot of that stuff. And it can give you a little bit of friction, especially when you're playing against strangers where they're like, oh, you're going to use the new Nephilim or Arca Omens, blah, 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 blah. And, and I have 17 CP and I spend four of them to get more. I spend four CP to get four more CP. And like, listen. Like, I don't, I do not have neither the patience or the time to deal with any of the nonsense you're talking about. So, um, now if you've got a regular gaming group, you can be much more comfortable with it. And Dave, I don't know what your situation is. Um, maybe you just meet randomly at the store and yeah, you're definitely going to get some pushback and you're definitely going to get your hoop pushed in by someone because they are going to be up on all the new nonsense and all the new changes and you are going to be left in the lurch, unfortunately. Luckily, those of us like me that have a gaming group and a casual gaming group at that, it's really not that big of an issue all the time. Like my, my friends know that I usually they can play a game with me, but it comes with stipulations because I am too old and crotchety for a lot of this nonsense. So they kind of come playing, they come to me to play a game that they know is going to be altered in some way. <laughs> like, they already know that. Uh, just James is a lot like that, too. He's happy to not use secondaries. Um, most of our gaming group doesn't use secondaries. In Age of Sigmar, most of our gaming group doesn't use battle tactics. They just don't, because it's like, it doesn't... My point is, it's got to add something to the experience of the game. And in a lot of cases, a lot of the stuff doesn't add to the, the experience of the game. It's just more busy work in the side. It's a mini game of itself. It's bookkeeping of itself. 
I don't hate any of it, but I enjoy the game most when it's simpler. So we might use secondaries, but we're not using stratagems. Or we are using stratagems, but we're playing Highlander. Or we're just going to play a narrative game and use nothing. Or, you know, whatever. Like I said, I had a fantastic birthday game with that kid the other week. And um, I just start calling him Will. His name is Will. But um, <laughs> it's like I keep calling him the kid. But um, I had a fantastic birthday party game with Will and his uncle and James. And we didn't use stratagems or secondaries or even chapter tactics or even warlord traits or relics. We used none of that. And the game was super close. It came down to two five up saves. I mean, so you really don't need all of that. I know some people prefer that stuff. That's great. Remember, Dave. If you have people that you can play with, and I'm not talking about just general pickup games, because a general pickup game is pretty much going to be treated like a tournament. If you don't know the person, they're going to try to crush you because they don't know how hard you're going to go. And it's rough. So if that's your situation. I feel bad for you because you really are in a pickle and I have no doubt that you're losing interest in it. But if you do have regular opponents, Dave, I would say, remember, this game is yours. You don't have to. Everything is mutable. So this is me going back into that traditional wargamer role that I've talked about on this podcast, or actually I will talk about it later in the podcast. Um, the traditional wargamer role, everything's mutable. Hey, um, I don't like, you know, stratagems. Then don't use them. Like both of you just agree that you're not using them or we're going to limit the CP or we're getting a million CP or whatever you want to do. You just make it yours. Now, like I said, if you're playing strangers, you really can't do that. Um, but yeah, I think you are echoing a lot of what a lot of gamers feel right now. And I think it's mostly the older of us. Now, I'm not that old, but I'm older than the, you know, the 13 year old that's playing. So, <laughs> And he probably won't have any issue with all the constant changes and the, the points increases and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Thank you for writing in, Dave. Uh, you guys can reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com with two Ps, uh, facebook.com slash pimpcron, or Instagram, you can even message me with only one P, pimpcron. And I will see you on the next side of this music. Want that or want that not? Hey, it's want that or want that not, and today I have a non-GW product to cover and a whole company, actually. It's a company that... I have vaguely heard of over the course of my 13 years in being in wargaming, but never really paid a whole lot of attention to because up until Brutality, I never really did anything outside of Warhammer. So it was just Warhammer models all the time. But I was looking through a recent issue of Wargames Illustrated magazine, and I saw that there's a company called Wargames Atlantic. And they sell all sorts of big boxes of miniatures. They're 28 millimeter uh, fantasy and sci-fi and all that. And no, this is not an ad. But I did want to share this with you because I was actually pretty blown away by this company. I was on their website. I was looking at their fantasy models and their sci-fi models and things like that. And they've got one unit called Space Nom, right? Like Space Vietnam. And... They are definitely Katachin models, but they are way, way better than GW's Katachin models that they currently have. And they are dynamic, they're muscular, but they're not goofy looking like GW's old Katachin models. They've got lots of motion to them. They've got a ton of different uh, weapon options that pretty much match Games Workshop weapon options. You know, they're, they're uh, 
distinct enough that they're not an exact copy, but you can definitely get what they're going for. And you might be like, well, okay, what's so great about these? Tons of people make proxies for them. Okay, okay. I, I understand what you're saying. So a box of these things are $39.95. So say $40. And yes, it's sold in the UK and it's sold in the US. So it's $40 for a box of these guys. And you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, 10 guys, 40 bucks. I mean, that doesn't really sound any different from Games Workshop, right? Well, that's what I thought too until I scroll down and I'm like, okay, well, they only show eight people on this box. So I was like, oh, geez, eight people for 40 bucks. Now you're getting into Games Workshop territory. So I scroll down and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, multi-buy deals. So if you buy three boxes, it's $110. So $110, what's that, $36, something like that? Yeah, $36. Um, that's pretty cool okay um then you look down and if you buy five boxes 165 dollars okay well that's getting to like 35 dollars something like that you can buy 10 boxes for 300 bucks which ends up being 30 dollars so if you really really wanted a huge guard army you'd buy 10 boxes of this for 300 bucks okay you'd be saving some legit money but wait wait this is what blew me away not their bundle deals. No, that wasn't it. Not their awesome sculpts that are way better than the Catechins Games Workshop offers. No, 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 not, not that. I'm reading down here and I'm like, oh, free shipping over $50 in the US. That's pretty cool. Actually, it's anywhere in the world free free postage. Okay, 50 bucks. Uh, so I bought, if I bought two boxes of these, it'd be free shipping. And it would only be 80 bucks for, you know, all these models. That's pretty cool. But no, wait, we're still getting to the kicker. I scroll down in the depths of the jungle worlds where even the plant life will eat you, blah, blah, blah. Space nom, yeah, blah, blah, blah. This 20-figure hard plastic set includes an armory full of interesting weapons, including standard rifles, blast pistols, edged weapons, grenades, flamethrowers, grenade launchers, sniper rifles, and plasma and heat weapons. So wait a second. 20 models for 40 bucks? And they look GW quality, like like no no lie whatsoever. So it's not a box of ten for forty bucks. It's a box of twenty for forty bucks. So basically, these box of ten dudes, if you broke it in half, obviously would be twenty dollars, and you can get free shipping. So I buy two boxes of these with free shipping, and it's the equivalent of four boxes of GW. That is freaking fantastic. That is really really good. Um. I was totally blown away by this. Now, there is one minor catch, just one, and it's not a big deal. They do not come supplied with bases, and I'm assuming that's why, how they keep their costs down. But for those of you that are not initiated in uh, eBay listings and things like that, you can get like 125 millimeter bases for like 10 bucks. So don't don't worry yourself over that plus i guarantee you've got a million bases laying around the house in a drawer somewhere and you can easily kit these guys out anyway i thought they were fantastic and they're all multi-part they're not uh single cast they're not easy build anything like that these are really awesome and not only do they have that but they also have uh harvester alien bugs which are cool They've even got some guard regiments, such as the Mordians, the Mordian Iron Guards. Yeah, they've got them. 
$35 for, they don't call them that, I think they call them bulldogs. $35, it's even cheaper than the catechins. $35, and let me make sure it makes, oh no, no, it doesn't make, wait. <laughs> even better deal. The catechins were 20 dudes for 40 bucks. The Mordians are 24 guys for $35. I am legitimately impressed by this. Really, uh, this is amazing. And free shipping. What's funny, too, is that their pounds to dollar ratio much closer represent the current exchange rate than Games Workshop. I've said before, Games Workshop is charging us basically 50% more than they need to if you live in the U.S. And God knows Australia or Canada. Um, but we're, be we're being charged 50% more than we should due to exchange rates being very favorable to the U.S. dollar, and we're not seeing that reflected in the prices at all. Well, the nice people over at War Games Atlantic have a much more reasonable, um, much more reasonable ratio, and I thought that was pretty cool. So, like, uh, three boxes for $95, or three boxes for 70 pounds. Okay, $95, 70 pounds. Okay, that reflects basically what the exchange rate was six months ago. That's that's totally fine. But Games Workshop prices are reflecting what was pre-COVID prices in the exchange rate. So just keep that in mind, and you might want to go to wargamesatlantic.com and check these out, especially if you want to do a Mordian army, a Praetor army, any of those old armies GW doesn't make models for anymore, um, Katachin army. The Katachins are awesome. So. Like I said, this is not an ad. They've not contacted me, anything like that. I just found this website. They've got some awesome models that are all multi-part, and you're getting a great deal compared to Games Workshop, and they're very analogous to Games Workshop. So I would definitely go check them out if I were you. And um, I when I actually bought some, I bought some boxes because I was like, I can't pass this up. But when I did, it also said discount area. Like there was a slot for discount. So you might be able to, I didn't, but you could maybe go online, search up a discount code or something like that and get an even better deal. But just wanted to share that. I thought that was pretty awesome. And it is 100%, no, 105%, 107% I want that from the Pimpcron. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. On today's Real Talk, I wanted to discuss a magazine subscription to War Games Illustrated that I've had for the last 12 months. If you will recall, from about a year ago, I decided to get this subscription and I would tell you exactly what it's about and whether or not you should su subscribe to this magazine. War Games Illustrated uh, really doesn't cover any Games Workshop mer merchandise or material whatsoever. Occasionally, they will mention something like a new Citadel paint or a new miniature or something, but it's very, very seldom. They focus more on specifically historicals, but they also focus on a lot of fantasy and other types of games, but they're all third-party games. So you're not looking at Mantic, you're not looking at Games Workshop, you're looking at a bunch of... Many of them are metal miniatures, some of them are plastic miniatures or resin or whatever, but they cater more to the, what I call, traditional wargamer. We will refer to players that only play Games Workshops as the GW Chad. <laughs> I probably pissed off a bunch of people now. 
So <laughs> I always consider myself more of a traditional wargamer because I'm willing to change the mission, change the rules as I see fit. It's much more about storytelling. I don't really care about the list. It matters more about what happens on the battlefield using whatever list I have because that to me is more realistic, right? It's not net listing and finding out, oh, well, you know, these four units are the best things to take and then only taking those or whatever. It's not about looking at Tactica and battle reports to find out whatever's the cheesiest shit. It's not that at all. It is traditional wargaming. A lot of them just made up their own rules. A lot of them use um, the little, uh, what are they called? Wooden blocks, like the old uh, historical miniature games, but they don't use miniatures. They use uh, blocks to it represent, oh, this is infantry, and it's got like a little envelope symbol on it. It's like an X in a box. And, um, oh, this is the artillery. This is the whatever. And there's people, I mean, they use basically whatever they want. Many of them may play 5mm or 6mm or 15mm or the wooden blocks or punch-out chits or any of those things. I mean, uh, there's people all the time that make their own miniatures and make their own rules and make their own everything. So it's not, it's not the consumeristic GW way of doing things that we're all used to, right? Oh, buy this new model, buy this new supplement, we're feeding you the rules, we're telling you how to play, we're telling you how you're allowed to play, you know? It's it's really not that at all, and I consider myself much more a traditional wargamer than the GW Chad, okay? Now, I'm jokingly saying GW Chad, I just think it's funny, okay? So don't don't get on me about that. But a lot of people want to be told exactly how to play and what units are the best, and they take those best units and equals profit, I guess, or at least winning. This magazine is not geared towards the GW Chads in the least. I have now read 12 issues of this magazine, and I'm just going to come out and say it. Most of the time, I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, I would say 60 to 70% of the time, a solid, solid 70% of the time, I enjoyed everything that I read in that magazine. But don't let that fool you, because this is just my personal preference, okay? Don't let that fool you and go, oh, 30% of the magazine's garbage. No, 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 it truly is a good magazine. It's been years since I had a magazine subscription. I mean, more than a decade. The last magazine subscription I had was Wizard Magazine. And if you recall, that was a comic book magazine. And that was defunct like 13 years ago, something like that. I mean, it was defunct a long time ago. And that's the last time I've ever had a magazine subscription of any kind. So originally going into this, I had no idea what to expect. The only magazine in recent memory that I've read that is a gaming magazine would be White Dwarf. And of course, White Dwarf is a big, you know, Circle J just for the uh, Games Workshop merchandise. And which is fine. It's fine. I actually do like White Dwarf. Ultimately, I will get a White Dwarf subscription and then I will tell you whether or not I think White Dwarf is worth getting. But that is not today. I've spent the last year with a War Games Illustrated subscription and this is basically my takeaways. I'll start with the bad. Let's just start with the bad. The 30% that I did not enjoy. The price of these magazines for US subscribers is pretty expensive. You have to really like the traditional wargaming style for you to get any enjoyment out of that. It's um 12 issues for $160. So uh, let me do some quick maths here. That's $13 an issue. Whereas uh, White Dwarf, I think, is around $9 an issue, something like that. 
And the reason why is because this is a UK magazine, just like White Dwarf, but it's printed in the UK, to my knowledge. And then they have another company called Art- Iron Ironheart Artisans handle the US subscriptions. I don't know what other countries they they manage the subscription for War Games Illustrated for, but that is that is I'm sure the price difference between shipping it to the US and of course Ironheart Artisans needs to get their cut because they're handling all the distribution and all that. Now, it's significantly cheaper if you get it in the UK because the UK it's like 9 pounds. So that's that's probably pretty close to the GW price in the UK. But the US, you're going to pay a premium for it. But $13 an issue is really not that big of a deal. It's just more than I want to pay for a magazine. Now, I'm a cheapo. I get it. A lot of you have magazines that are probably much more expensive than that. I did a little bit of research, and I looked at Time Magazine, and I looked at the New York Times, and a couple different subscriptions. And while I would never subscribe to those because I don't like you know the news and business stuff, I'm not interested in that. They were something like six dollars an issue or something like that. Um, the New York Times obviously is uh, like four dollars an issue or it was a little cheaper. But remember, you have to remember with this price point is that Games Workshop is a multi multi million dollar company. I mean, a, a huge company and they can afford to put whatever they want in their magazine because it's propaganda for their game. The New York Times or Time Magazine, number one, have huge corporate backers behind them, but also they apply to a much larger audience and they can get much higher ad revenue. You know, if you're Coors Light or you're, I don't care, whatever else, uh, a jewelry company or a mortgage company, you know that you can go into Time Magazine or um, a New York Times or any of those places and you're going to get a pretty wide selection of people reading those ads. Whereas uh, War Games Illustrated obviously does not have that broad appeal. It's just meant for war gamers and specifically traditional war gamers. So that makes it a little different. Obviously their budget is a bit smaller for ads and things like that. Um, and uh, that's why it's $13 or, or whatever. Now we're going to talk about the ads. Were there an abundant number of ads in this magazine? I mean, not really. They, they certainly do have ads. There's some pages of full ads or half page or whatever, but it really is not abusive. Whereas sometimes I read modern comics and modern comics uh, well, I haven't read any comics in the last couple of years, but as of five years ago, um, comic books had like every other page seemed to be an ad. It was like an ad in the inside cover, ad in the, the inside of the back cover, an ad in the middle, and then like four other pages of ads in a 25 page comic book. Like it seemed like it was every other page were, con- were ads. Uh, War Games Illustrated never seemed like that. They, they have a, a, a fair amount of ads, but none of it's gratuitous or offensive or seem like it's cash grabby. Another, I'll call it a negative, but it won't be a negative for all of you. Another negative is that they do really cater to the traditional wargamer. So they are constantly doing battle reports of historicals, and the traditional wargamer is a historical gamer. That's usually what they want to do. They want to reenact Waterloo and see if they could change the outcome, or the um, Battle of the Bulge, or or any of that. The traditional wargamer is typically a historical gamer. I am not a historical gamer. Um, Flames of War doesn't interest me. Um, Bolt Action doesn't interest me. None of that. I mean, I like history, but that's not my thing. I'd much rather do something fantastical, right? And also, I feel like you're fighting battles that already existed, so you know the outcome, so there's really no point to replay it, right? I would say a good 70 to 80% of the 
information in War Games Illustrated is somehow related to historicals. Now, there's a couple different games that are fantasy historical, like what if Napoleon fought do uh, zombies or whatever. You know, I mean, there's some historicals and some of the historicals are like ancient dinosaur games and stuff like like sure they're technically historical <laughs> but they're but they're giant dinosaurs right so those of you that are really into games workshop product would not necessarily enjoy this magazine but there is a lot of things to enjoy about it i often found myself um looking at the pictures for the narrative battle reports that were for the historicals cuz i'm just not really interested in the historicals I probably, for my $13 an issue, I probably got about 50% of the magazine I read. The rest of it, I might skim over it, or I might, you know, look at the pictures or whatever. And I'm going to get into one of the positives of this magazine in a minute. But I do feel like I got a pretty good amount of value out of the magazine. Just for the spectacle alone of looking at the miniature pictures. They've got a fantastic photography team, apparently, because they've got a lot of beautiful terrain. They've got a lot of beautiful miniatures. Um, the miniatures are all painted wonderfully. Um, even the things that I wasn't interested in, I could still look and go, oh my gosh, look at that city they built. Look at that battlefield they built. Those miniatures are awesome. Like, And a lot of it was 6mm or 15mm, but they really do take very good pictures for this magazine. And that would be my first positive so that even when you're not interested in the source material, um, even if you're not interested in the Hundred Years War, you can still see and appreciate that they completely re recreated the entire six by four board in a an intricate city to move their troops through or farmland or or whatever. They've done a really good job with all the imagery. So the first positive for this magazine is that it is beautiful. They do a good job laying out and uh, it did keep me engaged, even if I did not necessarily find myself interested in that particular topic. Another thing is that I think this magazine is pretty darn well edited. I never once in 12 issues, I never once found a typo. I never once found anything that was out of line or misaligned or anything like that. I, I really I was impressed. And remember, this is coming from me, who's spent every day and night this entire week around work and all my other obligations, editing my new rulebook for Brutal Space. And I have kind of an eye for that sort of thing, right? Where there's a typo or a, or a line indent that was weird or whatever. Um, this is very professionally edited. I have no issue. Um, GW's uh, White Dwarf is probably the same. GW's codexes are not the same. They're riddled with uh, typos and misalignments and stuff. But this was a definitely a professionally made magazine and I, it was a pleasure to look at a second positive for or technically a third positive for you if you like this sort of thing is they do have a lot of hobby stuff they teach you how to paint miniatures and it doesn't matter whether they're painting a werewolf or they're painting a uh, french legionnaire or it doesn't matter what they're painting they're still showing you techniques step-by-step -step techniques just like you see sometimes in a i don't know yeah, I think the new codexes in Warhammer still have, like, paint step-by-step. Step. Well, they often, pretty much every episode, uh, every issue, they have um, how to paint different things. And uh, it was it was helpful. Different highlight techniques and things like that. So for those of you that like, paint like to paint miniatures, you'll definitely enjoy that section of it. Because it doesn't matter what miniature they're painting, the skills are still all there, right? It's still something that you can learn. The fourth thing that I really enjoyed was the terrain making. 
they go through and interview people that made these huge buildings, these huge sets and these scenes and these boards and all of that and shows you how to do water effect or find things in your yard like sticks or or pine cones that you can use for terrain or I mean, there's there is a ton of how to hobby stuff in this magazine. And that was a lot of the stuff I was drawn to personally. Not that I make terrain anymore because Shorehammer kind of doesn't allow me to. I don't have the time to make terrain, although I do love handmade terrain. But handmade terrain is not durable enough for Shorehammer, the transporting, the people handling it, all that. So I can't have handmade terrain anymore, which is a shame because I, I used to enjoy making handmade terrain. And of course, I think it's beautiful. Um, but I still like to see how people make it. And um, they have a lot of, once again, step-by-step -step tutorials on how they made this and how they made that. And it's it's just very impressive. I enjoy that a lot. For those of you like me that like game design and different games roles, I was really impressed with, uh, this is number five or six. I'm losing count now, but this is another positive for the magazine. I was very impressed with... Um, the tons of amount of rules that they include. Um, the most recent issue had uh, a ancient ship battle rule set just for free with the magazine. It was a separate little insert in the plastic bag. And it's basically the free version of the rules. You can go buy the book, but you know how drifting works with the currents and the wind and the... I mean, it was really impressive that they include that. Um, a lot of the games in there that are featured also get a discount that... Uh, like 15% off if you use the War Wargaming Illustrated, I'm sorry, it's Wargames Illustrated, Wargames Illustrated code or whatever. So clearly they've got partnerships with these people, but um, it's it was impressive because nearly every single issue has some new rule set of how to do, you know, I don't know, the African Safari battle or whatever. <laughs> I just sounded stupid at this point, but um. Yeah, so they, they have a ton of different rules, and that's always interesting for me to look over different rules, mechanics, and stuff. They also do a bunch of battle reports. They also do a bunch of campaigns and things. They'll have a campaign like they did one for Silver Bayonet, which is, I think it's a Napoleonic-era pseudo-fantasy. I think there's, like, monsters and stuff in it, um, and it's, like, fantasy mixed with historical, like a weird history sort of thing, and they did, like, a six-issue campaign with it and they went through catacombs and their people leveled up and stuff like that and that was that was pretty interesting to read um i even i've actually been exposed to and bought several rule sets from this magazine and that's also where i saw war games atlantic miniatures and i was like oh this look pretty cool actually so there definitely is um a lot of different exposure if you're interested in broadening your horizons in the wargaming field right and whether it be painting miniatures or making terrain or just being exposed to different types of games and different ideas and even different miniature sets um i think this is a pretty good magazine for that because it certainly did broaden my horizons and, and broaden my vision of that they also have another segment that i really like uh where they i think it's called under the microscope or something of that nature i forget what the the section's called but they open up the box on new sets coming out from different companies, and like I said, none of them are GW, so don't think about that, or Mantic. But different box sets or terrain sets or whatever, and they open them up, and they've got the section called Under the Microscope, and they give you really up-close pictures of the spurs and, you know, the detail that's in them or the weapon options and things like that. They also give you the price and when it gets released and things like that, so... um, I think that's pretty cool, too. You know, it's it's so easy just to post a picture of the box, 
but that doesn't really tell you what's inside necessarily. So I like the fact that they take the time to open up the box, build several different miniatures, show you what they look like. That sort of thing is pretty cool. So I would say in conclusion, I did think I got a fair amount of value out of this magazine. I did think it was a little bit pricey, but what do you do about it? Really? There's nothing you can do. $13 an issue is not terrible. And at least, you know, for the U S customers, um, it's not a terrible price. It is a little on the steep side, I think, but I did enjoy looking over the entire magazine, reading the articles, the hobby articles, the campaigns, the different rule sets, the um, under the microscope of the different sets that are coming out soon, and a bunch of hobby, just je in general hobby products they cover. I enjoyed all of that stuff, and I was exposed to what seems like true wargamers and their whole community, right? Uh, they had a bunch of interviews and things like that. They're apparently friends with all the old guard at Games Workshop, the the Priestleys, and, uh, I mean, Priestley, and uh, I don't think, yeah, Jervis Johnson was on there before, and um, a bunch of the other people, and uh, it's it's pretty funny. They, they're playing different games, though. They're not playing Games Workshop games, but it is cool to hear the interviews with them and, and the different games they're working on now. I'm pretty sure Andy Chambers was in one of them, um, but anyway, now you might say, why are you getting rid of your subscription, Pimpcron, if you enjoyed it so much? Well, number one, I don't need to tell you that, you know, costs of living and things like that are getting more expensive. And I'm certainly not going to say I'll never go back to this magazine because I did enjoy laying in bed or reading on the couch, my magazine when it came in. And, um, oh, you know, one other thing real quick. You get a lot of free stuff in this magazine. Every other issue comes with like a free sprue of miniatures. And it could be anything from World War II to Zulu Warriors or whatever. But it's free sprues. And I've already used multiple of those sprues to make uh, Star Trek miniatures or Brutality miniatures or whatever. So that's also an added bonus that you get. It's like probably every other issue is a free miniature. And then the... Mi Issues in between is usually some sort of special rules or something. So you, they are doing their very best to give you a lot of value for what you're paying for the magazine. Anyway, why back to why I am uh, canceling my subscription. I'm canceling my subscription for the time being. And the reason why is, number one, I want to take the next year to look at White Dwarf magazine and see if that's worth having. And I also just started a new subscription that just tickles my dilly. I, I don't know. I'm just making something up. Um, it really tickles my fancy. There's a new magazine subscription that I found out about. I saw his ad on Facebook, and apparently he buys old magazines like RPG magazines and White Dwarf and Wargaming magazines. He buys them. And then for $16 a month, which I know is pretty expensive, right? I think it's $14 a month. $14 a month you get two random Dungeons & Dragons or Wargaming magazines from the past. And you guys are probably laughing at me at this point, because like, who the hell wants a 30-year-old, 40-year-old magazine? Well, you can look at this guy behind the microphone, because this guy loves old RPG magazines and Wargaming magazines. I've had that subscription since December. I've gotten my four issues, and uh, two of the issues I got were Dragon Magazine, which is uh, Dungeons & Dragons actual magazine, and they were from 1983, which is before I was born, and it was a real treat 
to read these magazines. I also got a White Dwarf from around 2011. And I also got, what else? Oh, I got a more recent Dragon magazine from like 2005. But the nineteen eight the nineteen eighty three issues, I got two of them, and they were not the same issue. They were so fun to read because they were black and white. They show all the old Ralpartha miniatures, and I've even seen some ads for um White Dwarf or uh, it wasn't White Dwarf Citadel miniatures. I saw some new um like Lord of the Rings ads for uh Citadel miniatures and. Just the whole world was incredibly different 40 years ago. So getting some 40-year-old magazines is a real treat. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, but it's two magazines, by the way. So my subscription, you can, you can choose whatever you want. You can get one magazine a week, one magazine a month, two magazines a month, whatever. I chose the two magazines a month, and uh, that ended up being like $14 or $16 a month, which I know is a little pricey. But that's why I have to cancel my War Games Illustrated magazine, because I'm going to go the next year down this rabbit hole of getting old random RPG magazines. And uh, there's a lot of things I've learned already about a time before I was even born. So uh, it's it's very interesting, and I've really enjoyed it so far. The four issues I've gotten have been an absolute treat. So in conclusion... I think there is a lot to like in War Games Illustrated, and I definitely could see myself maybe taking one year off the subscription to try this RPG one and try White Dwarf, and then maybe come back to War Games Illustrated later, because I did truly enjoy it. And that's my whole recap. So you go check it out for yourself, and um, if you're in the U.S. and you want to do it, you have to Google search War Games Illustrated Subscription USA, because War Games Illustrated website itself does not give you the option for a u.s subscription you actually have to go to the ironheart artisans website and um but google will send you there anyway thank you to gamemat.eu for supporting the show and panhandle3d.com for supporting the show and the beautiful sexy good smelling just heart of gold patreon patrons i will see you next week <laughs>